love them, you hate them, and you can't stop talking about them. Announcers, analysts, pundits, they're all fair game. It's Sports Media Mayhem with Alex Reamer. Time to let it rip. I guess this kind of applies to the Stanley Cup playoffs, but certainly applies to the NFL. And I think actually the first time we ever got into contact is I wrote a little article about you. I called you the bravest man in broadcasting because you criticized the officiating <laughs> football. Um, what happened? I, <laughs> not long thereafter, I wasn't doing football anymore. So uh, <laughs> I, I think that's more coincidental than anything, to yes. be honest. But like watching the NBA finals, you know, NBA especially, every call can be debated. And you go on Twitter and it's always, you know, why did Van Gundy not rip the refs here? They ripped the refs wrongly here. And it goes for the – and I've always been wondering, though, like for people who watch the games, obviously, the officiating is a huge factor. People talk about it all the time. But as like a broadcaster, how do you handle that? Because it's what people are talking about, but there are rights agreements. And then also like it, you can get tied down in minutia too if you're too – Rough focus. So just especially watching the NBA playoffs, I was just spoke, uh, interested to ask you. Yeah. You handle that kind of thing. Well, I do think, you know, the officiating is much more a part of the NBA than it is the NHL because, yeah. you know, they're blowing a whistle every couple of seconds, you know, and uh, those players are so big and fast. Not that the NHL players aren't because they are. It's part of why I think the game is better than ever because the NHL players are bigger, faster, stronger than they ever were before, which is true of the other sports, too. But the in our case. Uh, you know, I think as I've gotten older, you know, I still, to what you just said, Alex, and you and I have talked about this before, you always, to me at least, as a play-by-play person, you want to be talking about what you think the viewer at home is thinking about or saying to the people around him or her as they're watching the game. You know, if they're sitting at home thinking, wow, that was a bad call, or why did they call that, or why didn't they call that, then we should be talking about that too. What is helpful to us in this hockey season is that we have Dave Jackson, who's a former NHL ref in our booth, and he's done a remarkable job. I mean, he had never been on TV before October, and, and you know, in this business, people would be shocked. You know, when ex-players or ex-coaches come in to be analysts, I'm sure the perception from people at home is, well, they get coached up and they do a bunch yeah. of practice, and they, you know, and that is rarely true. Most of the time, they say, "Here's your assignment. The game's on this day. You're working with him, him, and her, and show up at seven o'clock and." do the game so but dave has been terrific so when there is a rules issue we really bring in him and disagree with his explanation i mean he's an expert and what i like about him is he's not you know he's just not there to protect the officials right he's not there to harangue them either and i think he's done a great job of when he has disagreed with a call saying i don't agree with that and here's why and if he's agreed with it he said that was a good call and here's why so what i try to do with him more is just ask him about the mechanics of it you know we had a replay in the big call in game three of the stanley cup final when colorado scored the first goal and then tampa bay challenged it because they thought the play was offside before the goal and it took a long time for the coach to decide john cooper that he wanted a challenge and then it took a long time for the review so you know i try to ask dave things like well how much time does the coach get i mean they were almost about to drop the puck face off and count the goal when he challenged it so things like that you know that you might be thinking about at home boy that took a long time or how much time does the coach get but uh but dave is really there to handle that was a good call that was a bad call it's very rare that i disagree with him and why would i he's the expert right i mean he's done this his whole life yeah but i mean it is something that you have to keep in mind because as you said it's what 95 percent of people watching 
what, what was up with that call? You know, right. and the bigger the game, the bigger the series, like the Stanley Cup final um, or the NBA final, the fans, especially the fans of the two teams, are obsessed with the officiating. Both sides think they're getting screwed the entire time. And then the other thing that we deal with on my end is both sides are convinced that you're biased against yes. the team and you're in favor of the other team. Yes. I don't do Twitter, as you know, but uh, it's funny to get the feedback from people that, uh, you know, and I guess when you have an equal number of people on each side who think you're biased for or against their team, then, you know, you really are calling it straight down the middle. But I've done a lot of hockey games in these playoffs, and I promise you I don't give two craps who wins. Well, I may or may not have Twitter searched your name before a chat, Sean. And I will say a lot of Lightning fans think you're in the bag for the Avalanche, and a lot of Avalanche people think you're in the bag for Tampa Bay. Well, what happens, I think what drives that more than anything is, like, if you do a game in Colorado and they score a goal and the place is going crazy, you're going to sound more excited when they score. Tampa Bay scores and nobody cheers and it's silence. I mean, you're yelling over the crowd in part to hear yourself. But so, you know, I'm not surprised. I'm sure usually that's usually the way it goes, right? The, The first two games are someplace and people think you're biased for the home team. Uh, especially the fans of the visiting. Then you go to the other arena and you scream and yell for their goals. Uh, and then the other people think you're biased against them. So it all evens out, but I, I don't care. You know, I, that, I really don't. I, I, I don't care what people think about that because I know I'm not biased and uh, I don't care who wins. You know, I, I really don't. And I, if I did care, then I think that would be a problem, right? Because if you are kind of subconsciously cheering for one side or the other, uh, that could enter in your presentation. Really, the only time I ever have that problem is if I do a Syracuse game. <laughs> I love Syracuse. I mean, you know, I do a lot of Syracuse basketball games, and I find myself kind of fighting the urge to say, that was a lousy call, you know, and uh, it's to the point where I probably went too far the other way just to show that I was unbiased. Yes. So, well, I mean, work for Tommy Heinsohn, so maybe it could have worked for you with Syracuse. Yeah, now that's different, right? When you're doing a local teams game, that's fine. You know, you can be a homer if you want. Uh, <laughs> You know, when I do the Red Sox games on WEI, it's totally okay if it sounds like we want the Red Sox to win because we do. Yeah. You know, when you're a team broadcaster, that's an entirely different thing. But on a network level like this, especially games as big games as big as the Stanley Cup final, you really need to be neutral in your presentation. The only thing I want to see is an exciting game, a close game. Um, and, you know, it would be great to have a seven-game series and have it come right down to the end. You really never Twitter search your name, even out of curiosity. To, really, that's because it's. I mean, that that's not true. Yes, I have. I've tr- I tried, have tried to stop doing it. Okay. Then I do do it. Um, usually, you do it after you think you did a good job, right? <laughs> Didn't tick anybody off. You did not. But yeah, but it's you know it's uh, the shameless name drop. Uh, Charles Barkley was here in Tampa for Game Three, and we got together for a little bit after the game. And there were some other people around and we got on the subject. Someone asked him why he doesn't do Twitter. And he gave an answer. And I said to him, Charles, I think you're the one who I remember labeled Twitter a place, the place where losers go to feel important. Good, good description. Yes, that's exactly right. So I don't care. You know why? And I, this, again, is going to sound very self-serving. But, you know, you know, when you do this, you're going to get killed on Twitter. Right. Nobody got killed more than Joe Buck, who yes. I think is one of the great broadcasters of all time uh certainly has a resume unlike anybody else with all the super bowls and world series that he's done 
he just, as you know, got a huge deal to come here to ESPN. <laughs> so it doesn't seem to have affected his career that people were crushing him on Twitter. So, you know, what I care about, when I, when I went earlier in the hockey playoffs, it did search my name one time. And it actually, some of it earlier in the playoffs was positive. The deeper you get, it gets more negative because you're biased against your team. But the, <laughs> but at the same time, I was getting texts from Marv Albert and Gus Johnson and Kevin Harlan and Mike Breen and a lot of other people in broadcasting whose opinion I really respect. And it was all incredibly positive. So those are the things I care about. Dick Stockton, Vern Lundquist, not, I'm going to keep patting myself on the back, but the point I'm trying to make is, you know, when those people and some of those guys, I barely know, um, you know, when they reach out to you like that to say, Hey, you know, this is great. Um, then yeah. Twitter can have at it. I really don't. Yeah, I don't know. Vern Lundquist, a random Twitter user, telling you, Dave, yeah. it's a toss-up. Toss great hockey announcer. He's not best known for hockey, but yeah, people yeah. in New York, when you know he would do the Ranger game, said he was tremendous. And uh, you know, you probably have this in your life. There's certain uh, texts that you get that you wouldn't delete, and that's one yeah. of the R was so complimentary. It was, yeah. you know, it was nice. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. That that's what matters to me, and my bosses. You know, I they've all Jimmy Pitaro's been has texted me, and Norby Williamson, and George Bodenheimer, who was the president of ESPN, all with very very nice comments about how well they think it's going. So that's the only thing I care about. You mentioned Joe Buck and the massive deal he got from ESPN to do what he used to do, call Monday Night Football, and you see all these crazy deals around the NFL. You think, damn, you know, should I just stay in there or what? <laughs> Uh, I'm very happy with my situation. Um, you know, I've been blessed throughout my life to get to do a lot of what I wanted to do for a very long time. So, and I hope for, you know, significant amount of time remaining. So I don't begrudge other people, you know, a lot of life is about timing. Right. And, uh, and obviously Joe and Troy hit it at the right time, but they're great broadcasters. You know, I feel bad Steve Levy and the other guys who were doing it because I think they were doing a really solid job and I certainly know what it's like to leave. Um, but, uh, but I've said a few times, Alex, if you told me six years ago, I think 2016 was my first year on Monday Night Football. Um, if you told me then you could have the choice between doing Monday Night Football or the Stanley Cup final, I would choose the Stanley Cup final. You know, they're happy. You know, it's, uh, Monday Night Football is great. You know, it's it's an event in and of itself. Um, but there are all of them, you know, there are 16 of them, whatever. There are regular season games. They're usually good games. Um, but this is, you know, this is a seven-game series that's going to decide the champion of the sport. So, yeah. uh, and as I said, I love hockey. I love calling hockey. Hockey, the pace of hockey, what we talked about earlier, really makes it fun. Yeah. And I remember, too, uh, after you left Monday Night Football, you did an interview with us at EEI, and you were talking about how much you couldn't wait to get back to the college game, too. Yeah, I like it more. I really do. And I don't mean that's not to disparage the NFL, because I watch the NFL all the time. I mean, I'm a football fan, sports fan. One of the reasons why I love my job is, you know, people ask me all the time, what's your favorite sport to do? You've done all these sports. And I always say, what I like most is the variety. You know, if you ask me in football season, I'd probably say football. If you ask me right now, I'd say it'd be hockey. In a couple of weeks when we're doing baseball, you know, baseball's off. So, um, yeah, I just enjoy the uh, the variety of it more than anything else. I'm curious about your opinion, too, just from being in the industry and everything. When you first saw Brady's $375 million deal, what were you, what were you thinking? 
I bet he would have done it for less. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, if he was willing to do it, would he have done it for $25 million? You know, know. A certain part of these things, um, and I didn't really finish the answer for you. So, you know, college football and the NFL are different. That's all. They're both great. But, you know, I, I like the atmosphere of college football. I like the storytelling component that comes into college football broadcasting that really isn't uh, in the NFL. The NFL is very down to down, you know, at each play. We're in college football because the audience doesn't know the participants. You spend more time organizing them, which I enjoy. But anyway, um, now I forget what the, this question was I was supposed to answer. <laughs> just, just curious your thoughts on Brady and what you think. Oh, no, I, first of all, I think he'll be great. Um, I, I think we've seen since he left New England that he really does have an interesting personality. I think that will come out uh, on the Fox football. And he'll work hard at it. You know, he'll want to be the best because um, that's part of what's made him the greatest football player of all time. You yeah. know, and you know, the way he takes care of himself, you know, whatever he is, I've played golf with him. You know, he's a passionate golfer and, uh, and takes that very seriously. And so, you know, it's, uh, I think he'll be great. Uh, the money part of it, you know, it was worth it to Fox to do it. As I said, I was surprised it was that much. I, I think what happens in these deals is, Okay, you pay Tony Romo, whatever, eighteen million. So now I'm Troy Aikman. Just pay me more than that. You know, it's it's like in sports, right? The quarterback signs the deal, and he gets thirty-five million in a year. So the next guy gets thirty-eight million, and the next guy gets forty million, and whatever. And broadcasting's kind of becoming like that too. So I'm not surprised that Tom, you know, set the bar. I'm just surprised it was by so much. But then again, he's the greatest football player of all time. Yeah. And that brand ambassador part too. No, I mean he's going to be an ambassador for Fox. Right, that's what I was saying. Like what? Like how much value do you think there is in that? Oh, a lot. Yeah. I mean, you're trying to sell, uh, you know, a huge company, uh, you know, enormous deal to advertise on your football. I mean, we're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars, maybe more. Mm -hmm. Um, and you need a closer. You know, taking those people to dinner with Tom Brady (laughs) would help. I don't know. You know, so. It's just a guess, but I think there's value in that for sure. Yeah. Because you say on one hand, like, why does Fox need Tom Brady to convince people to advertise for the NFL? But they're competing with CBS. They're competing with ABC, ESPN. So I guess you're right to have that. Right. Closure. And if it's a, if you, I don't think, you know, a company's going to say, well, we weren't going to advertise on your football, but then Tom Brady said we should. So now we will. I mean, I don't think that's going to happen, but I just think if it's a tiebreaker, or even if it's a value added, you know, if you said to them, hey, you advertise with us and, you know, you will go to dinner and you bring 12 of your most important clients or whatever, and we'll all sit around with Tom Brady, you know, there's value in that. I don't $37 million a year worth of value in it, but uh, there's certainly value in it. All up and down the economic ladder, all jock sniffers, I guess. Because I think he's going to be great, and uh, I'm excited to watch him. We're all jock sniffers up and down the economic ladder, I guess. You know, it doesn't, doesn't matter. Yeah, I like to think a rising tide lifts all ships, right? Yes, absolutely. When I saw Joe's deal, Joe Buck's deal, like, hopefully that's good, right? That just means everybody else is going to come up a little bit. Some of us who do this for a living hope, or it means he took all the money, <laughs> in which case that's not going to happen. But uh, we hope for the former, not the latter. With the insane money round, I think, I think you're all doing. Um, I'll get you out here on this, Sean. You're 60 years old. You mentioned it. I wasn't going to mention it, but you mentioned it. So I, now I feel all right mentioning it. 60 years old. Is there anything 
what is there anything you haven't done in your career yet that you really want to do either broadcasting or unrelated as you uh, uh, well that's an interesting question um you know the when i got to monday Night football my hope was that if i stayed long enough we would get in the rotation to have a super bowl you know at the time i was there we weren't in that we you know there was no plan there's no year that was already designated you have the super bowl in 2027 or whatever so but i was hoping that you know that would happen because the super bowl obviously is the biggest sporting event in our country and uh, one of the biggest in the world so the soccer people would say some of those events are bigger the world cup and, and they're probably right globally but um so that would have been nice but you know the list of people who've gotten to do the world series and the stanley cup or any two of the four the big four um on national tv is pretty small and you know when you add to it i've had the chance to do three olympics all four of the major golf championships you know i've done a i think it's 10 or 11 different sports 11 different sports on national tv um so uh, i don't really feel like there's anything missing you know if i wanted to get pig issues say yeah, i'd like to do the championship series or game in every major sport uh, but I've had a chance to do more than my fair share of those, you know, done the final four, women's final four. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm quite content. You know, if, if this hockey chapter is kind of what takes me toward the finish line, then uh, I hope we have a great run. We have it for six more years after this. So you would like to be a part of that till I'm 66 and then we'll see what happens from there. Yeah. We're always at the end of the road with the Stanley Cup playoffs and you're back up here to Boston. No rest, no rest for the weary. No, very little rest. You know, the max, the, the championship series, the Stanley Cup final can go is June 28th. And I think we started on May 2nd or 3rd. And uh, I have even more appreciation, Alex, for the players and the coaches because, yeah. you know, it's a grind for us. And we're just talking about the game, right? But uh, to be doing a game at the beginning of the playoffs, we were doing a game every night. You know, we would do a game. We'd fly the next morning someplace to a game that night, fly back, do game two of the series we did two nights before. Um you know, so even the teams weren't doing that. And then it's shocking that I got COVID in the middle of that after a little time doing that. It's COVID on my 60th birthday. Like oh, your 60th birthday is not depressing enough, right? And then and then I got COVID. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that was not, you know, not the happiest birthday anybody ever had. But to me, 60 is not a big deal. It's not a deal at all. I mean, I really you know, I'm, feel like I'm in good shape and try to take care of myself. But the... Uh, but I have great appreciation for these hockey players. I mean, the New York Rangers played 20 games in uh, 40 days. Insane. And, yeah, with one day in between, obviously. And, you know, a lot of those in-between days are travel days. Yeah. The, you know, they're slamming into each other at high rates of speed. Everybody's battered and bruised. And uh, so the hockey playoffs, it's it's definitely a endurance test for everybody, including the broadcasters. Well, that's why we need to give you some time to recharge by the pool. So I'll let you do that, Sean. Uh, Good luck with your podcast. Yes. Thank you, Sean. This was great. I one of the first guests. Second guest. Second, second guest. Second guest. Yes. Second guest. Well, you're already going downhill quickly. <laughs> Who well, was the first guest? It's good to start high. I had an agent, Brad Blank, on. Talk about oh, that. I know Brad very well. He's a great guy. Most do. Yes. Sean, this is awesome. Thank you, man. Hey, my pleasure. Anytime. Be